Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And most importantly, thank you for leaving all of those reviews on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. Now... If you are a follower of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast, which you should be, you'll know that we are off to Romania to do a live show, our first ever live show in front of an audience prior to the Romania versus Georgia game. Brilliant. The problem is we haven't actually done one of these before, so we are encountering a few difficulties. First of all, numbers. So we've booked out a venue which will hold up to 90. Well, that's no good because I think we've got well over 90 now. We've also said it's going to be a free event, which is fine, but it means that we couldn't charge for ticketing. Ticketing is important because we don't want any of you to go out there and not be able to get into the live show. So if you are on the Facebook event group for the 19th of March, which is when we are doing the live show out in Romania, please go on there. We are going to put up a link to a ticketing website. And as soon as they're gone, they're gone. And it's our own fault. We should have booked a bigger venue. But on the other hand, how were we to know? We didn't expect we'd get five people to a pub in Manchester, let alone over 90 to a club in Romania. So, um, yeah, we'll see how this one works out. If you want to go, go on to the Facebook group. There is a link there and there's a ticketing website. It's only £5 per ticket to make sure that we have the right sort of numbers and no one can't get in. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I will see you out there. Anyway... Let me tell you about PSA Academies, who have made today's podcast possible. These guys offer you world-class coaching in international-level facilities, and they wrap it all up using the most cutting-edge sports technology. If you are in that stage now of wanting to take your rugby on to something a little bit more advanced, maybe something a little bit more than just a hobby, just a leisure pursuit, you want to be talking to PSA Academies immediately. These guys know what it takes to become a professional and they surround you in a professional environment so you can be the best that you can be. You can unlock all of that potential. If you go on and book onto one of their courses, before February you'll get 10% off. They offer a range of camps for different ages and also, Quite interestingly, this was the place where the French team did their fitness camp before the World Cup. So if you've got a rugby team, you're a member of a rugby team, and you're thinking of, I don't know, something a little bit more exotic, a little bit more professional, they offer pre-season camps, mid-season camps, and actually tours to further field as well. PSAacademies.com. Just remember, if it wasn't for the wider rugby community like these guys, podcasts like today wouldn't be possible. They've supported us. Please go and support them. It's much appreciated. And uh, you can find them at psaacademy.com. So, uh, yeah, I guess from there, there's only one place to go. And that is my interview with Philippe Saint-André. Hope you enjoy it. How's your day been, Philip? 
busy, but uh, very good day. Uh, Thank I- you. <laughs> yeah. Where are you? You are in Dublin? No, no, I'm not actually. I'm in Manchester. Um, based not far. Are you in Manchester? Yeah, and based not far from Cell Sharks actually. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, there, there are, it's tough this year for Cell Sharks. Oh yeah, it's uh, it it's not a great year, that's for sure. I think they're missing a ten. Uh, I think they're missing yeah. a nine. Yeah, I think uh, the, the, the loss of Cipriani was a big loss, yeah. Oh, it's huge. What did you think of him when you went down... Uh, you, you did the, the French TV, didn't you, for the yeah. Toulon Sale game? What 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 did you think think of them? I was surprised the stadium was quite empty, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, it's a difficult stadium to get to. Is that your first time at the AJ Bell? Yeah, yeah, it was the first time, you know, me. I was uh, all the time in... Um, in the stadium, what's the name? In um, uh, Edgley, Edgley Park. Edgley Park, yes. And uh, but no new good facility, nice, uh, uh, nice box and everything. But I, I came for the game when they lost at home against Gloucester. But the, the stadium was it was well, nearly empty. It was just three thousand people, you know. Mm. So then in Edgley, uh, we were doing ten, twelve thousand people all the time, you know. Yeah, it, it's a shame actually. I think this year it's going to improve. I think they've got a few road improvements coming on and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, hopefully next year it will be much, much better. I hope so. I hope so. So, what are you doing with your time now? Because um, obviously you're no longer in in the coaching world. Are you, um, are you busy doing stuff like media? Yeah, yeah I'm doing uh, TV uh, TV stuff for a new a new channel is SFR One and SFR Two. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in the group of uh, RMC, BFM TV, so I, I, I commented the, the premiership, plus uh, the test match of uh, England in November, plus we have a, a TV show the Monday, plus uh, I do some stuff for them for the radio. So I'm doing this, plus I'm doing my academy, do you know, PSA Academy uh, in, in Tinia, we... We mix uh, children uh, from different countries, Irish, English, French, you know, to try to maximize their potential, you know. Tell me about the academy, because didn't, didn't you first find the town of Teen through a French fitness camp? Yeah, 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 I bring the French team. I bring, uh, I bring the French team in Teen for the preparation of the World Cup, and, you know, it's, a, it's amazing place, or... It's in altitude, or you have a, uh, the the pitch is fantastic for facility, and you have gym, and you have also around the lake 19 different activities, and it's uh, it's amazing spot, you know. So uh, a lot of teams started to go there for pre-season, and and I feel that also you know to to bring some kids to do some training high intensity with. Good coaching, uh, international level coaching, you know, and uh, also we we try to to coach this type of children with a, uh, like a professional, you know, they they have a GPS and uh, and also you know to we work a lot about the skills, about the development, and also I feel you know the the mix of culture at this age. It's, uh, it's amazing, and we did last year and for the first year, and it was a, a fantastic, uh, 
a fantastic experience. You know? Excellent. Uh, tell me about the technology that you've got up there, because from what I understand, it's all pretty high tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. We have we have some very very good uh, partners, you know, like uh, Stat Stat Sports, and also we have a uh, lot of uh, different things, and we have a fitness coach, and we try just to you know to to then the then the young player have the have the experience to. Uh, to train one week like a like a professional, mm. uh, and I think this is, is is very important. We have also like a shadow man, you know. It's uh, it's one technique to tackling than um, people use in, in in American football, and you know it's uh, and I have top coaching and I try to mix it with Irish, Scottish, uh, South African, mm. English, and French coaching, you know. To mix the, to mix uh, the culture and to try to be a very open open mind and uh, we doing for so individual but also we doing for uh, for group for schools for for club can do some preparation in August in September so mm. in July we are focused about uh, the individual uh, the individual and uh, August September it's more about uh, schools and uh, and team want to do a coach and coaching development program you know? uh, tell me when you're coaching younger kids uh, say because you've got a range in there how many 14 to is it 14 to 16 no it's from it's from 10 to 8 to to 18 ah we right wow you've got a real mix then yeah but we have a I, I would say it's 10 15 years is individual intermediate and uh, uh, over 15 to 18, it's ad, ad, very advanced players, you know, and we try to put uh, a program quite different with uh, covering skills, covering core, position, play, strength, conditioning, agility, speed, flexibility. Nutri- we work also about nutrition, mental preparation, and also about the food, dietetic, and everything. So it's just to, for, for the guys, you know, he, with no pressure because they don't have the pressure to win the game the, the end of the week, you know. Mm. But it's just to to develop and to improve uh, uh, the skills, the understanding of the of the game. And uh, and to be honest, I I coach professional players for 18 years, mm. and just know to to be with with young and to and to try to to improve their development. It's a very very uh, uh, good feeling for me, you know. Mm. Out of interest, when you've got all, uh, when you're working with all these kids, when do you think the best age is to introduce full full contact rugby? Because there's quite a lot of debate about this at the moment. Yeah, I think it's a lot of debate about this. But for me, when you look also, of course, the game is more and more physical, and it's and uh, it's much it's much more tackling than 10, 15 years ago, but I think also a lot of injury come about a bad technique of tackling, or you, you don't use well the, the shoulder, you put very often the head in the wrong side, so I think it's very, very important to start, you know, uh, very young, but with very slow, with no, with no speed, you know, but just to, to have the good attitude to put the, the head in the, in the right side, to use uh, your shoulder, to use your arm, mm. and I think this is quite very, very important because also on, 
international game or I commentate each week very often with them. Uh, the guy is concussed because he he put his head completely in in, in the in the wrong uh, in the wrong place. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, you've just had a um, French. Uh, I probably get the probably get the organisation wrong now. French Federation election, and Bernard Lepore, um is now the new president. And there was some talk about improving the process of developing players from a young age through through to the professionals. Um, do you think the standard of young French players at the moment is high enough? Yeah, it's it's funny because I. I did a show with him yesterday, and we speak a lot about uh, development of young players, about uh, work, about the, the skills, the technique, the understanding of the game, uh, the quality of the pass, uh, and also the, to, to, to create also for the French team and for the French players and the, uh, a fixture that they can uh, uh, be competitive, you know, and it would be the first year in the Six Nations and the French team would have two weeks uh, to prepare uh, the Six Nations before and the player will not go back during the Six Nations to play with their game so it looks crazy but it will be the first time in the French history but to come back about your question mm. I, I think you know we uh, we were wrong the last 10 years about the development of our players and we can realize the French team don't have a good result but also our young team uh, are struggling to, to win a, ma- a major competition and and I think we need also to put the, the right person to for young players to develop the, the, the technique and the, and the skills and also the uh, the spirit of the game, you know. Do you think the problem is that the young players in France don't have enough skills to get into the top 14 teams? Or do you think it's the fact that the top 14 teams have too much in the way of foreign talent? Yeah, I think it's both of two, but I think it's also it's, it's too much money, you know. And because it's a lot of money in the top 14, uh, the president won't win uh, straight away. And they don't have the time, you know, to wait four or five years to develop the, the youth players that, that, that they are below the, the first team. And what they do, mm. they buy uh, foreign players, they buy uh, uh, world-class players, they buy Fijian international, Tongian international. And uh, and something is wrong. I think it's, it's good to have some uh, few uh, world-class players to in your team and also they bring uh, they bring a lot like Johnny Wilkinson when he came in too long about the professionalism and about uh, this view of rugby and to and for the young players to see how he train uh, and how focus he is he was fantastic but after uh, if you have the, the third choice foreigner the second choice foreigner the third choice foreigner yeah. and just the French player is a fourth choice hooker uh, it's very very difficult and and uh, the problem that I had when I was French coach during four years is we had uh, our best 30 players was it absolutely exhausted because they were playing 40 games a year that's incredible and our young players didn't have game time so when you have this uh, 
the depth uh, in your squad uh, go smaller and smaller, you know. And uh, I think it's what uh, uh, the English rugby. Uh, I think Rob Andrew made the right decision ten years ago to to try to put much more English players in each team sheet. Mm. And you you can see you no. Know, uh, I commented so the the premier ship and it's so much English talent, so much young players play in in the 12 uh, English team of the Premiership. Yeah, do you, do you look at the Premiership and think maybe the top 14 should be doing things like more in, more French registered players or a minimum number, yeah. credits, tighter salary cap? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Plus also, you know, top 14 is good for the business and it's a lot of game, but you realise and the guys start... Uh, to play some friendly game in July, uh, the top 14 start in beginning of August, and very often finish in June. And after the guys go in tour, so the guys play the season is 11 months. And when you have 11 months of season, what you do, you play and you recover, but you forgot your development, you forgot to to carry on, to work your skills, to work your to improve your your skills, your fitness. Mm. And uh, and and rugby, it's a contact sport, you know. So I think uh, we we forgot in France, and you you need time for competition, times for recovery, and times to to develop and to and 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 to and to and to look after your body. In your opinion, then, what is the maximum maximum number of games an elite player should have a year? I think the, the All Blacks say 25. Me, I will say around 28, 28, mm. uh, maximum 30. But when you see you know, the intensity of the uh, of the game and uh, and the problem, you know, uh, test match, you no, know, it's much more than than ever. When you look at the English team in 2016, they did 13 tests for England. And you look, the French team, they just did 10 tests, but uh, plus the premiership of the top 14, plus the Heineken Cup, plus the Anglo-Welsh. Yeah. Uh, after, uh, what is good in in England, it's, I think, uh, the English-Welsh, uh, it's also very good to develop and to give game time to the young English player. But in France, the top 14 is so solid, so strong, and Sometimes you go down just for one point after after twenty six games. Uh, they, they never take the risk to to put young players in the, on the pitch, and this is a, it's a big problem. And I feel it's a big big failure of French rugby for the last ten years. Yeah, it, it is really interesting actually the way that the French team has developed. Um, Talking of the French team, obviously there's a rather large fixture this weekend, which I'm sure you're looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, I think you know it would be a, a very, very exciting Six Nations. I think you know England are our favourite after what they did in 2016. You know, 13 wins in mm. 13 games. This is it's completely amazing. Mm. Also, if you have some few injury, and I think the the brother uh, Winnie Pola are. It's a, it's a huge loss for for England, but uh, see, I, I will think England and Ireland are favourite. But uh, 
after I think Scotland will be very very tough to beat Scotland in Scotland because they improve so much and now they have a, a very good uh, team with with more depth mm. and uh, be careful with the French rugby because it's what I said before in my inter uh, it's the first time in the history of the Six Nations and the French player uh, had two weeks to prepare the Six Nations mm. and also they will not be exhausted uh, in the end of the Six Nations because they will not go back to the club you know be my experience twice we won the first two games of the Six Nations but during the week off 90% of my players that's amazing play a league, a league game and uh, in professional uh, professional rugby at the moment it's impossible to to play a, a six nation and during the few weeks rest uh, uh, carry on to play with your club because the guys was completely uh, exhausted and after you you didn't get the result that you expect tell me this um when you're in charge of France and you had this problem with your with your players going back to the club, was was there any logic in the club playing these players? Because I can't imagine someone who's just played two international games in consecutive weeks would be any good to anyone yeah, in, the, in the top fourteen. The club say we pay the salary, we pay the wages. It was not a it was not a, a, a good deal between the French Federation and the league, and uh, it was a nightmare. At least uh, the good thing is when we lost in, in quarterfinal against in New Zealand in the World Cup, it was the first time that the league and the federation realized and uh, if we don't do something to improve the the organization of the French team, the French team will be more and more struggling. And I think you know the only thing we make this decision now that this decision shouldn't be made. Uh, Ten years ago, yeah. Um, do Do you think that there was an element of the French clubs playing these playing these pet players during the the off weeks in Six Nations just to make a point rather than a, for a solid sports science reason? Yeah, it was just to make a point. Or also, if one team was struggling and they have a game at home, they don't want to take the risk, and they say we need to pick our best players mm. and. And it was very difficult for the players because they didn't want, they were involved in the Six Nations and they wanted to show to the French public and show to the European rugby that they can compete and and beat the best team in in Europe. But in one other way, uh, uh, the club was paying their wages, paying their mortgage. And uh, when the club said, you need to go back and... uh, uh, it was difficult for them to say no, you know, and this it was the, the biggest problem. It's because it was not a clear deal between the French Federation and the, and the league and the professional club. Okay, uh, well, for our English listeners who might not be that familiar with the French team, can you just tell us a little bit? Uh, you know, as you were one of the best. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. 
Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. French wings ever. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who the French options are out wide and what we can expect from this Six Nations? Well, I think, you know, after it's shames and Wesley Fofana was injured uh, uh, two weeks ago because this is a big loss for the, for the, for the French team. But uh, after, uh, I think the, the two wings will be probably uh, Watakawa and... Uh, and uh, Natakasi, so also the same. It will be two Fijian wings <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the French team. Maybe Johan Uge, but I think he, after his bad injury, he's just starting to be back. Mm. And uh, fullback will be uh, Scott Speeding, uh, uh, French but South African. Uh, yeah. uh, so you can see that uh, 20 or 30 years ago, he was Serge Blanco, Lajiske, uh, maybe Saint Andre sometimes, and everything. But now you realize, and <coughs> so he's um, uh, in the top 14 in uh, in the position of winger. It's 70% of Fijian are third choice in the top 14. You know, wow. I will say that a little bit the French team is a little bit the re- reflection of what's happening in the. Uh, in the top 14 uh, yeah yeah true um, out of interest when you were in your prime how would you have got on against Noah Nakatasi uh, but, um, I think Noah Nakatasi it's a, it's a good finisher it's a, he, he's a he's a good player and also he's in France for uh, for a lo- long long time mm. after you know Watakawa it's, it's funny but he's the only professional in France then he's part of the French Federation because he's playing uh, seven with the French team plus he's playing uh, just the international uh, game with a, with 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 the fifteen. So he's more seven players, but he's so good and he has so much uh, so much talent. But uh, after I think you know the. The French team, we start to have some young players like Serain, Scrumalf, like a few back row new. And uh, I think, you know, they they will want to carry on to, to try to do a lot of offload and to put some tempo in the game. Mm. And I think uh, uh, this can can be a very, very interesting, interesting game uh, uh, Saturday in Twickenham because also the, the English teams have a uh, great players, great space, great pace, and uh, I am sure it would be a, a very, very exciting game uh, Saturday in Twickenham. Now, just a bit more of a general point. Is England still the main fixture for the French population and also um, the French team? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. Uh, you can see so much interest in all the TV, all the newspaper, and everything. So 
in the big newspaper uh, today it's uh, in a lot of newspaper it's five six page of the special crunch <laughs> like people say between England and France because it's rugby but it's more than rugby it came back about so much histories between the French the, the English team and the and the, and the French team so I, I think it's still the the, what's the, name? the biggest game of the of the year for for French rugby when you when you play and you compete against your I would say your best friend or your best enemy but then it's England you know uh, tell me then so as a player do you remember one particular game against England which you particularly enjoyed yeah, I enjoy some, some, some I enjoy, but in the end I lost, so I didn't enjoy so much. But maybe the the one I remember it was in 1991, and uh, I was lucky to to score a try of 100 meters uh, uh, in Twickenham. But also, yeah. we, it was a good game. We scored three tries, so it shamed that in '91 the try was not five points. With the tr- with the transformation because we we lost 21-19 uh, uh, I think in England there just one try and the rest was kick off for Andrew. We if he was with the new rules no <laughs> we'll have maybe won the Grand Slam. And this he was in he was in England because also in 91 they won three games us we won three games he was just five nation he was no six nation mm-hmm. and he was. Uh, it may be one of the of the games the most in my in my mind because it was a, a great atmosphere. It was for me. I was very young. It was a, my first important try, and it was what the name. It was an amazing atmosphere during uh, during this game. How did the French teams uh, when you played? Uh, prepare themselves in the change room because I always hear the stories about the shouting and the shouting and the and the brawling. Uh, how true? How true is that? Yeah, I think you know. Also, it was Brian Moore that he was very good during the week to to put some uh, stake in the newspapers, you know, to say that we were uh, with no discipline and everything. And you know, he was he was doing very well because. I can see during the during the week uh, the the French player and the French forward started to be mad to say don't respect us <laughs> and everything, and he started to to go very very strong in the changing room and, and it shows sometimes rather than the preparation of the game and in the changing room he was sometimes uh, t- tougher and more physical <laughs> than on the pitch after. But I think this he was long, long times ago. No, uh, uh, it's a professional game. The the guys, the, the the player from both team try just to be focused, to uh, to be sure they they will feel good for the beginning of the game. That they will know well all the game plan and all the tactic and mm. and uh, and about the preparation. The, uh, since the rugby is professional, it changed change quite a lot, you know. You, you, your career has obviously spanned from the amateur period to the professional period when you obviously were still a player but also a coach. Is there any part of you that wished that your playing career was more in the more in the professional era 
or are you quite are you quite happy with the, but, with the experience know, as it is? Know, the only things you don't choose the day you are born and hmm. the day you need to stop to play. So to be honest, I feel so privileged and so lucky because I knew amateur rugby. I knew semi-professional rugby. And I finished professional players in Gloucester in England. So I have the feelings and uh, I knew all the different type of rugby, all the different atmosphere. And this for and this it's uh, it's fantastic because I have uh, so much memories. After of of course, mm. I earn less less money than the player earn now. But because he was. Uh, he was like this. He was first. You do a uh, university. You you learn to have a job, and the rugby is just your passion. So he was he was completely completely different. But I was enough lucky to to knew uh, all the all the evolution of uh, of rugby and this. I think it's quite uh, it's quite important. Now I'm going to show I'm going to show off a bit of my naivety here. Um, and say that I first came came across you. I'm 32, so when yeah. I first realised um, exactly who Philip Santandre was, it was when you were at Gloucester. And that's when I first oh, yeah. started watching rugby, and it always struck me as strange because you were a player at Gloucester, and then yeah. almost overnight you became a coach. When I look yeah. at coaches nowadays, you can see them doing almost like an apprenticeship and they, you know, they'll work under another coach and it'll be a team of four. How did you transition so easily from player to coach? Well, but, you know, it was, it was quite funny, but it was... Uh, Tom Wilkinshaw was the, the chairman of, of the club, you know, and I started with an M2 help a little bit with a back scotch and everything and uh, he came, he said, uh, do you want to be in charge? Because well, then we need to be more professional. We need to improve a lot of things. Mm. And uh, because my body started to be in pain, you know, I started to be injured quite a lot. Uh, and he said, oh, you are interesting. Or if not, I will go to to sign a great coach. And uh, and I said, okay, I feel that maybe it's a time. So I, I just did six months player coach ah. I wanted to uh, improve so much the fitness of the of the player I wanted to do so much things and I say my bo- my body will not follow so it's better than I close the book of player and I, I start just to be a coach you know and it was an unbelievable uh, experience and uh, each day I can say thank you to, to Tom Walking Show because if he was not uh, the chairman of Gloucester at this time, maybe never uh, I would have coached in my life, you know. Uh, how did you find your first few weeks of coaching? Because I, it's one thing being a very vocal player, but when you go over to the coaching side, it becomes a lot different when all that pressure is on you. What did you do to cope with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, but, you know, I think also... Uh, in this time, when you are, you were uh, the captain of your team, when you were a leader of your mm. or, or, of the club and everything, very often you were involved with the, with the coach about the strategy, sometimes about a few exercises of 
of technique and everything. And also, I did university of sports, you know, so I, I learned also how to coach uh, uh, people in my uh, in my university. So, you know, after after what I tried to did, I I, I try it was to try to to take all the best that I had about all the coach I have in all my life with club rugby, university rugby, and and international rugby, you know. And I had I was very privileged to have so many great coach. And I said, oh, no, I will do like this, I will do like this. But I remember in Gloucester, I started to stop to do contact area during the week with my players because same, it was a lot of games and I just wanted that the guys uh, will be very, very fresh mm. uh, for the weekend. But I, so I was putting more about skills, about uh, uh, about uh, uh, about a game plan, about uh, uh, running with a good timing and everything. But I didn't, I I, I, I don't like at all to do. Uh, contact area with my players during the week because they are professional players and I prefer they give 120% uh, 30 times a year during the game than uh, uh, do contact each, uh, each day in the, in, the training, uh, in the training camp. You had great success at Gloucester. How did you end up going to sale? Because of course Gloucester is quite a nice place. It's in the Cotswolds. There's lots of nice countryside. You're from France, which is a beautiful country. And you decide to up sticks and go to Manchester. Uh, what made you do that? Yeah, I think this is is still the the same uh, in uh, in Manchester. And said he was the former chairman uh, Brian Brian Kennedy, and mm. uh, uh, it was funny. But it was, uh, I think, uh, we we beat uh, we beat Sale with Gloucester very easily uh, one day. In, in Gloucester, and I saw him in the Montpellier one bar in Cheltenham have a beer, and he said, "One day, one day you you will you will work with me." So I laugh and I say, "You never know what uh, you never know the future." And after I was in Bourgoin with a team with not too much money, mm. and we play sail and uh, we beat sail in Manchester, and we we beat them very very heavily in Bourgoin, I think by forty. And uh, he said, one day you will work for me. I said, yeah, yeah. And few months after, uh, I had a problem with my chairman in Bourgoin. We were not agree about the, the politics and about the, the vision of the future of the club. And uh, I think we were uh, top of the league. But and he sacked me. But this happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and two days after, I have a phone call of Brian Kennedy. He said, don't move. I don't want you signed to anywhere. <laughs> for sale for the club and 
and for me. So, yeah, you don't know the story how I came to to sell sharks, uh, coaching sell sharks, and be director of rugby of sell sharks. So, when you first arrived at, uh, were you at Carrington at the time? Was that where the training ground was? Yes. Well, yes, yes. When you first arrived at, at Carrington, yeah, but we were not in Carrington in the bin. We were we training in Bramall in uh, in uh, what's his name in uh, not the old stadium in Sale the um, Haywood no, Road no, because when I arrived we stopped in Sale mm. and before Carrington was ready we've been uh, one year uh, in Stock, Stockport Rugby Club uh, oh really yes ah so okay so your first day in Stockport Rugby Club. Um, what yeah. did you think needed to change in order for that team to be successful? Well, but when I arrived, I, uh, what it was good, I arrived quite early, so I, I saw the club and I watched a lot of video and uh, I uh, I saw uh, I I been uh, two or three months before the end of the year. So, and I realized, and he was fantastic players like Coeto, Charlie Oxon, uh, Jason Robinson, uh, and uh, he was so much talent with the backs, you know. But uh, I was feeling that they were missing a little bit of power with the uh, uh, with the forwards, you know. So uh, my idea straight away was to bring a little bit more uh, depth. Mm. In the front five, so I bring uh, Sebastian Bruno Hooker, Lobe like a lock. Yeah, and I bring also Sebastian Chabal. You know, uh, the guys can play six, eight, lock, just to bring a little bit more more depth. And after I was so lucky to to arrive and to have so much talent also in the in the youth academy because it was guys like Wigglesworth, Ben Foden. Uh, Schofield, uh, Chris Jones, Andy Titrell, uh, Magnus Lund, and you know, I think the mix of all these young uh, English, uh, uh, Chris Meyer, young English players, mm. was in the United, plus guys like Coeto, Charlie Oxon, uh, uh, Jason Robinson, plus bring few. Uh, uh, few uh, top-class players uh, from different areas, and straight away it was a, a, a mixed, uh, fantastic, and uh, and we passed a few years uh, amazing with uh, a fantastic attitude in the team. I have a, a great players, great staff, staffing coach around me, and uh, and. Uh, and and sell started to be a fortress and uh, the Friday night I told you uh, no lot of team in the Premiership wanted come uh, no. to play in in Um Just a quick one. Um, you're talking about recruiting players. Where did you find? Um, I was gonna, it's not Fernandez Lobby. The, the older brother is it Ignacio? Yeah, Ignacio. Yeah, well, Ignacio Lobe. How did you know? How did you know about him? Was he in France or did he have contacts in yeah, Argentina? He was in Castro. Uh, he was playing Castro, uh, and uh, and it's funny also. Uh, I say I need for in one year so a, a good back row, quite intelligent. He said, "Oh, but my brother 
he's doing, uh, he finishes university, <laughs> but he's not a bad player. And I remember I bring him for nothing. So I think he was, I think he was 30,000 pounds. <laughs> one year after, one was of the best players in in Europe, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah but uh, after, you know, I, I, he was also the the good things between the English rugby and French rugby. I was coaching in France, coaching in England, mm. so I had experience of both teams, and he was in, he, he was uh, he was good for me to to was them to bring some players and to to bring what name, uh, a better balance in in the sale team but you know what I was I was lucky and he was already so much talent in in Manchester and in sale so just before I let you go um, just tell me where you think France will finish this uh, this year and uh, if you don't mind, can you let us know as well where we can find you on Twitter, where we can find details of the Philippe Saint-André Academy, contact details, that kind of thing? Okay, so how I will feel then uh, the, the French team will finish, I think, second in the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is my prediction. I think they will do very well. Uh, uh, they will do very well uh, this year. And about my uh, uh, my academy, maybe you you will tell better than me. I think he's on the www.psacademy.com or sale@psacademy.com. And uh, we are on Twitter, and but also I have one Twitter. Me also is Philip Saint Andre official Twitter Excellent. and you can follow me <laughs> Philippe you've been fantastic company thank you so much for calling in um, ok uh, hopefully we can find you on Twitter and all the best for the future ok thank you very much take care bye bye cheers Philippe well there he is Philippe Sansandre massive thanks to Philippe for coming on remember you can find us at the Rugby Dungeon Egg Chasers at Rugby Podcast and me at Jay Beardmore please leave your reviews please go on to the Facebook page like us follow us do all those good things and if you want to come to Romania you're going to have to act really really quickly because those tickets are pretty much in fact by the time you've heard this they're pretty much gone but in case just have a look Alright, next week I've got Jamal Ford-Robinson and as always, if you know of anyone you think I should be talking to, anyone from your club who you think is interesting, let me know ASAP and I'll get in touch and make it happen. Until next week, let the boys play and I will see you then. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.